Hey there, and thanks for tuning in. I've added this note to the beginning of my most recent and highest downloaded episodes to let you know of a few changes and hopefully avoid any confusion for you as listeners. You will hear me call the show Life After Business as well as reference various ventures I've been a part of over the years. When I started the show, I originally named it Life After Business because I was on a mission to learn everything I wish I would have known before we sold our family business back in 2014. And after 200 episodes and Tons of information that I've learned. I finally decided to change the name to better reflect me, the content, and the guests. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is business owners and entrepreneurs who were the happiest and most successful, in my mind, didn't focus only on sucking all the cash out of the company, and they knew the business was going to eventually continue on without them at some point in time. They literally knew exactly what they wanted from their business long term and why. They intentionally focused on building a valuable company so they could have the freedom of choices to do what they wanted from the business. So they focused on strategies that would grow value long term and give them the freedom to choose. You can learn more about the name change, my major lessons, and our definition of intentional growth in episode 200. Enjoy the episode that you're listening to right now, and thanks for being a listener. Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast that helps you understand what your company is worth and what your exit options are. Host Ryan Tansom and his guests give you all the information you need to get clarity and control over your business, build a valuable company to be proud of, and exit on your terms. Hey there, and welcome back. This is the Life After Business podcast, and this is episode 171. Today's guest name is Chad Peterson. He is on the show to share with us his story of growing and selling six companies, one of which was a mortgage business back in the 2000s, and he grew to $10 million and then went bust in literally two weeks when the financial crisis hit. So he's able to share with us what he's learned and the pros and cons of growing and selling six different companies. He has become a business broker and is one of the top in his field in his marketplace, and he's also written a handful of books, one of which is called Swinging Doors, A Guide to Selling your company and he also has a podcast that is business brokers buying selling and growing businesses so some of the things that Chad and I talk about and the things that you're going to learn one of which being the which is the title of the podcast which is why when you're doing well it's time to sell you're going to learn why you should start thinking about selling even though you're doing well you're going to understand and learn why your passion directly impacts your profits and how when Chad sees someone that comes to his door and their passion's gone, it directly impacts the multiple and the value of the company. Things to think about that could pop up without any awareness that could impact your passion and your ability to sell your company. How selling your business and then taking part of those proceeds to buy another business is what Chad likes to call a quantum leap jump because you're taking your cash flows, you're taking lots of chips off the table, and then using an SBA loan to then take a quantum leap in the amount of cash flow and the amount of value that you can be building. You also will learn why you should keep your business if you love it so much because it's everything that you want and more and you get all your satisfaction out of life out of the business. And the reason I enjoyed this podcast is because not only do we talk about how important your passion and your energy for the business is, but then also being able to look at your business in a realistic fashion, knowing that it is still an asset. It produces cash and it is a financial vehicle for you to hit your wealth goals and your target income. So how do we balance both of these two back and forth is a constant challenge that entrepreneurs who love their business choose to ignore because they want to grow, grow, grow until something happens. And then the moment that that passion starts to erode, things become more challenging. So having a plan while you're growing is so crucial to have the options to have the freedom to choose what you want and to get the highest valuation and the perfect exit that you want. If you want to increase your probability of getting exactly what you want, first of all, you got to focus on it. Second of all, you got to learn what really is important. And that's literally why we created the five growth and exit principles. We have upcoming boot camps in Minnesota and Ohio that are based on the five principles. And we have two case studies doing 10 million in revenue, a million in EBITDA that we walk through the two days. So we'll learn what do you want from your business and why? what will literally make you happy. 
The second principle is the financial targets. We'll go through business valuation exercises, how to calculate net proceeds, how to tie that to your desired net worth and your desired annual income. We'll go through the third principle, which is all the different exit options, ESOPs, private equity, third parties, strategic sale, family transfers, and how each of them impact the valuation, how much money you get up front versus over time, and then most importantly, your role post-closing. And then we'll go through an entire exercise on how to maximize your multiple by by creating sustainable and predictable transferable cash flow using the eight functional areas of a business, and then how to hire your team of advisors that will maximize this entire plan. Trust me, the two days, it's five grand. It'll be absolutely worth it. You'll walk out having clarity and an idea of exactly what your target timeline, exit, valuation, and ways to maximize the value of your company. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with Chad Peterson. Sponsored by Arcona's Growth and Exit Boot Camps. Three days jam-packed with material on the five growth and exit principles and the world of mergers and acquisitions. You'll walk away knowing exactly what steps to take to get your target valuation and your best exit option. Three days at Arcona's Boot Camp will give you the clarity to control the rest of the journey. Chad, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. So for the, I, I got I just got to do it because uh, the audience has not seen a picture of you unless they're looking at the the show notes. But you you and I just got off a of video and your beard is ridiculously amazing. And I aspire to eventually be grown up enough <laughs> to have it. So now that we got now that we got that out of the way, uh, and we'll ha- we'll we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, you have some pretty cool uh, stories that I'm looking forward to having you share. And maybe for our audience, kind of give them a, a, a brush stroke of how you became an entrepreneur, whether it was an accident or not. Kind of give some of the milestones, Chad, and then uh, what you're doing today. And then we can kind of go back and then fill in some of the gaps. Yeah, sure. Um, let me just um, hit it real quick. Um, the bottom line is whenever I was young, I had something within me that just knew that it was up to me. Um, I, had, I had no entitlement. And that's, that's far different than what we have today. It seems like the world's entitled. But when I was real young, I mean six years old, I remember thinking of how can I go make money? Um, you know, I was doing my own laundry when I was that old. You know, I just knew that I had to do, I had some sort of personal accountability within me that I knew that if it was meant to be, it was up to me. And so I started knocking on uh, people's doors to see if I could help them with anything. It was ridiculous. My mom didn't even know what to do. I was always uh, an enterpriser based, not because I, maybe it was the money, but I just knew I had responsibility. I needed to go do something. So I, I did a little side business like that, just hustling as a kid. All the way to my teenage years, I, I built uh, a lawn and landscaping company. I sold it whenever I was 18, 19 years old, somewhere in there. And I built a window cleaning company as well. And that, that helped me get through flight school. I went to flight school hmm. and I trained, um, I became a commercial pilot. I trained down in uh, Florida. I actually went to school with the terrorists. I went to Com Air Flight Academy. I went to Airline oh Training gosh. Academy. I was in class with the terrorists. Uh, we didn't, of course, you know, we didn't know they were terrorists until afterwards. You seriously uh, were in class with them? Yeah, yeah. Oh inside gosh. their inside their hood. Um, whenever you fly under your IFR, which is one of your flying instruments, um, you, you wear a hood where you can't see outside. You're only flying. Uh, basically using your your navigation and all your instruments and inside their hood uh, they had writing like I can't you know I await my 77 virgins or whatever the hell it is but like I said before 9-11 we didn't really you know we just thought that was some religious thing Mm -hmm. and uh, I was flying a plane and I came in over uh, the coast of Florida and it just got more intense than what I had ever had in the sky Air, air traffic control was going nuts you know, they, uh, George W. Bush had his airplane parked at uh, Orlando International, and they were all diverted to go to Orlando Executive. So you had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of planes that couldn't go to their destination they were trying to go to. So it became a madhouse as the president was being protected. It was a very, very intense time in aviation. They cleared the skies in an hour. I got down. We got the plane parked. We went inside. I was sweating my ass off. I was nervous. I didn't know what was going on. Never in history had that ever happened. And I walked upstairs into the flight room, and that's where we saw the plane and the Pentagon. And you could have cut the air in that room of pilots with oh a butter gosh. knife. It was that thick. We all knew we had lost our jobs. 
So that's what happened. Um, I went to my uh, flight school where I was uh, teaching people ground school and flying and things like that. And the doors were locked, chained up, and the airplanes were gone. Hmm. And so it was like, oh, shit, what do I do now? And I uh, had a baby on the way, and that wasn't intentional. And so I came back, and just after 01, when it was, you know, the world was scared after that, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do. I had no idea. Um, I, for all I thought, I thought I was going to go fly planes the rest of my life and travel the world and get paid to do so. And uh, I relied on my self-employed roots. You know, I'd always been a hustler and a, and a grinder. And a buddy told me about mortgages. And I was like, what, what do I know about mortgages? I don't know what the hell a mortgage is. What's that? He says, well, I sell mortgages. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> so he had me come over. He showed me what it was all about. And I said, I can do this. This is a no-brainer. So I ended up opening up my own company. I built it to 120 employees. We were doing uh, anywhere from, you know, uh, five to $10 million a year, depending on, you know, what growth year, year it was. We were doing incredibly well. There wasn't enough aspirin on the shelf for my headaches. Uh, <laughs> employ, employees, you know, I mean, uh, one thing that, that really irritated me about having such a strong workforce is that, you know, I always had to get red hot to get them lukewarm. You know, they never, they didn't have the intensity and the passion for the business that I did. So I was always continually poking and prodding them to get them to my level. And frankly, the lesson learned was I've, I can't be in management because that's just not my role in life. But we built that and, or I built it and it was a fantastic success. We we're the biggest broker in the, in the city and possibly one of the biggest brokers in the country. And we did really well, but I was approached to sell my business and they were sitting down with me talking, you know, how they'd like to buy my business. And I said, why in the hell would I do that? Why would I, I mean, this thing's doing so great. Why would I sell this thing? I'm always making more money than I'm what I can count. And, um, boy, did I learn the answer to that question? Because remember I was in the mortgage business and in 08, I was going to say, what year was it that you got the out of the blue offer? Well, you know, in 07, And I I could have walked away with $10 million in my pocket in 07 and 08. It was worth nothing because we were the mortgage. We were the guys selling the mortgages that were, you know, subprime, you know, hundred percent loans, things like that. So I got my ass kicked. I mean, I can't tell you how bad I got my ass kicked. We were in the mouth of the dragon when, when the 08 crisis happened, we were the ones selling the high price mortgages, the, the overinflated values on appraisals, not because of our fault, but because the appraisal industry wasn't properly regulated. Mm -hmm. Um, We, you know, so we felt it more than anybody. And uh, pretty much in about a two week time period, business was over. Jeez. So, so, so the lesson there for your audience is when you're doing well is the time to sell. And that's a reverse psychology because we all want to get to that point where we're kicking ass and taking names and, and why would we sell? Well, the answer is because nobody wants to buy something that isn't winning. <laughs> okay. So I know that, that you, you hit on so many awesome parts just right there, Chad, because, uh, um, and if we can just take a pause in the middle of your, your, your uh, timeline here. So I was doing a peer group uh, presentation. So a peer group of a bunch of own business owners last week. And I believe I answered them the way I like, uh, cause I, I get this question a lot, but like, so this owner says, well, I'm growing, I'm growing at this much. It's 20% clip every single, and he, he's probably listening here. So, <laughs> and he knows who, he knows who it is. You're growing at 20% every single year. Why would I sell? And so I know what I answer, but how would you answer that to a, to one of the two owners that say that? Well, if you're growing by 20% every year, that's 5% above what the SBA considers the top range of what businesses should be growing at, at consistently. So you're doing really well. So I would tell them under no uncertain circumstances, I would tell them to sell. And the reason is because they're doing well and you have other passions and other things you want to pursue in life. The only time that I would tell somebody not to sell in that case is if they're so passionate about it, they could never, ever, ever not do it. Like Mm -hmm. for me, for me, I'm so passionate about what I do. I love it. And it's, it's, it's an addiction to me. I mean, it, it damn near is addiction. Addiction. I love what I do. I work seven days a week, and I don't complain about it. So there's no there's no way that anybody could pull me off of it. But if it's just a business and you're doing well, and 
you can't see 20 feet in front of you to see the next stage of your life, then, you know, you got to sit back and go, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Because here's the situation. He's growing 20% a year. He's making quite a bit of money. I don't really care about the EBITDA number. I care about cash flow. So what is your mm-hmm. bottom dollar? What are, what are you being paid? What's the company doing for you? What's your overall lifestyle? That's seller's discretionary earnings or cash flow. If I can sell your business now, which will take, it'll, it'll take me six months, eight months to get done, but let's just say I can sell it. And you can walk with a big lump sum of money. Let's say you have a bunch of dry powder to use now for another acquisition. I can give you a quantum leap jump. Mm-hmm. Quantum leap from where is that? So he's growing 20%. Well, that's great. Well, why don't we sell it for 4X his cash flow? Okay. I mean, so I can give him a 400% growth right now. And then we can take only 10% of his earnings, 10% of his gain, and we can go buy him a business that's paying him three times what he's paying right now. So why get focused on that little 20% number? You know, what's funny is that people, all, all of us know that if we go buy a house that needs carpet and windows and paint, and, you know, could, could use a new kitchen. And we, we know that going in there. And we know that if we sink 60 or $70,000 in that house, that if we live in it for three or four years, we'll make a couple hundred thousand dollars. We all know that. But when it comes to people's businesses, they get too emotionally attached to them. And they don't understand that if they were to sell and walk with a good amount of money, it only takes 10% of the purchase price to buy a business. So if you wanted to buy a $4 million business, that's only going to cost you $400,000. I know. And that and that $4 million business is probably paying you $1.5 million a year, $1.3 million a year. So I would tell the gentleman you're speaking about, I would tell him, forget about that 20% number. Let's sell. Let's give you a 400% growth real quick or a 350% growth real quick. And let's take 10% of your winnings, 10% of your earnings and go buy a business that's paying you triple. Well, let's take also, a, yeah, let's take a quantum leap together. That's what I, I like. Tell I, I like the quantum leap because, like, I mean, well, it's the same thing about a ten thirty one exchange. If you just reinvest, you know, your some of your proceeds and then leverage up again, and like, also, like, you know, the concern was, well, I'm just going to keep making more money, and like, my response was, your growth is priced in to the price, right? Because if you all of a sudden you're flatlining, you're going to get a discount. So, like, I mean, it's all relative, right? I mean, you're just you're someone that's growing that far or that much someone's going to pay more because of that, right? Versus like, I mean, so it's all kind of. Well, it's going to be easier to get done at the bank. That's for sure. If you're showing 20% growth every year, be focused on 20% growth, but sell this current business and walk with a large amount of money. Let's then, let's then take that money, at least a portion of it, 10 or 15% of that. Let's go buy a business that's making triple what you're making right now. That's a quantum leap. Mm -hmm. And then go work on 20% growth on the next business for the next two or three years. And let's sell that one and take another quantum leap. Don't get emotionally intertwined with your business. Don't fall in love with your business. It's just an investment. So, okay. I want to peel that back because that's, I I agree. And I, but also disagree. (laughs) And like, because that was actually part of the reason that I called my podcast Life After Business. It's a lot of uh, based on Bo Berlinghan's book called Finish Big, where 75% of people are unhappy after they sell 12 months later because they were emotionally attached to their business. So maybe we can go back to your timeline. How did you get to the point where you weren't emotionally attached to it? Like, so after the mortgage thing, so what did you keep doing to like get to this realization? Well, the reason is you shouldn't, you know, let's just say you're going to invest in the stock market. You can't be emotionally attached to those. You know, you can't be emotionally attached to your investments in the stock market. So it should be no different in your life. You run a business. It's a living, living, breathing animal. You want to foster it, but you need to foster it knowing that it's for sale one day. Where did I, how did I get there? I got there just because I built companies and sold them so many times. That's, that was kind of already written in me. I wish to hell that I would have sold my company for $10 million back in 07. <laughs> and I could have gone and just peeled a million dollars off and gone and bought an, you know, a company that was, that was paying me a fortune and done it again and done it again. What happened was that I got my ass kicked so hard in 2008 that I was starting from scratch again. So I built small businesses and sold them. It was no big deal. I built them and in a couple of years. I'd show two years tax returns, sell them. And I did that so many times that, you know, I just, and by the way, along the, along the way, other people were asking me advice. Hey, Chad, how do I do this? How do I do that? 
next thing you know, I'm in the worst position possible being a pay, a, you know, a free consultant, a non-paid consultant. <laughs> I can right? relate to that. Yeah, yeah. You sold your business. Can I have coffee with you? And next thing you know, you're like, oh my God, I got a bunch of shitty investments that people want to do and right. not making any money. Right. So I started, uh, I started helping other people sell their businesses and that's, that's where the business was born really. And if you want to know why I'm passionate about building and selling your business, it's because I've been there so many times. And like I said, I'm $10 million short, but, but I'm not really $10 million short because of my 07 blunder. I am probably a hundred million dollars short because of that one decision of not to sell and not a week, not a day, but I would say not a week goes by that. I don't, I don't kick myself in the ass for that because it, it was a hundred million dollar mistake. It might've been a $10 million mistake in 07, but I could have taken so many quantum leaps with that money that it, it really was a hundred million dollar fork in the road that I didn't take. Yeah. It's uh it's amazing. What's, what's Warren Buffett's number one and number two rule. Well, don't lose money. And then number two, just look back to number one. <laughs> it's right? so true, right? Yeah. So what, it, you know, what's the, what are the, the different business that you bought and sold when you said you're doing that every couple of years, you know, what, what was, well, some- I didn't, I didn't buy them. I never, I never bought. I always built. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what were some of the, what were some of the companies that you built? Well, I built a software company uh, right whenever 08 happened. I built a software company, an online portal for uh, mortgage brokers to to do credit repair for their customers because in 08 everybody's credit went down the down the yeah. tubes and you know you needed a way to help them. So I built a software that not only had the ability to fix their credit but also uh, had identity theft protection built in it with the three credit bureaus. I built that company and sold it. I built a contracting company and sold it. Um, I also wrote a book called From Blue to White, basically teaching a working man how to build their business from basically a shoestring budget to making six figures. And that book was recognized by Scott Alexander of Rhinoceros Success. And he gave me a beautiful forward in the book. I'm very, very proud of that. And if a guy were to really, you know, read the book and, and want to take action on it, uh, he could go from zero to making $100,000 a year. Just average Joe, you know, Joe Sixpack. I wrote that book. I built another contracting business and sold it. I've just done that repetitively. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to go into all the different businesses because it kind of become monotonous. But that's all I've really done is built, find something in the market that, 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 that the market needs, but it's not being fully fulfilled. Build it, do the marketing, hire the people, do your branding, go to the market, win for a couple years, show your show your growth, and sell. That's all I've ever done, really. Since, well, since I was a kid, but I had a I had a short stint there, you know, six years where I was doing really well um, in the mortgage business, and I didn't sell, and I'll I'll never be in that situation again. So what? Well, why were you building from scratch and then selling? Was it just trying to try to build that snowball of cash um, and capital versus doing the 10% down and then buying? So walk, I interviewed Walker Dival on my show. He's got a book called Buy Then Build. And his first, like, first sentence is, don't start a company that's dead. <laughs> well, so no, much- you're, no, he's right. I agree with him. I, I agree with What'd you say his name was? Walker Dival. Okay. I agree with Walker and I like his name. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, he's, got a, he's got a badass name. But, uh, no, I agree with him. And the, the thing is, though, it depends on your circumstances. It also depends on timing. You got to remember back in 08, I mean, banks got so tight, it was impossible to get a loan done. Right. Number, one. Uh, number two, I had gotten my ass kicked and bad. I mean, you know, I had I had five leases. My monthly nut to crack was you know, I don't even know, man, but I'm going to say $160,000 a month just to pay for my basic overhead. I mean, mm-hmm. just to keep my, keep my staff going, keep my leases going, the phones, everything. It was an enormous uh, expense. And all of a sudden I didn't have the, I didn't have the team to do it anymore. We lost our products. Oh so it, just in about that. a week or two, it was just over. It was like somebody shut off the light switch. It was dark. And so I wasn't, I wasn't in a position to go buy at that point. Yep. So that, that goes to a different conversation. I mean, you know, what do you do when you can't go buy a company? Well, then you build one, but I agree with Walker and that you buy one. And, and that's, and what happens is whenever you buy one, you mitigate so much risk uh, because there's builders and there's operators. And, you know, if you can buy a business that's already gotten past the, 
the hard parts and the, the, the seller of it has already skinned their knees and, you know, taken a couple, couple jabs to the face and gotten their ass kicked a few times and they're still surviving, then your chances of that business that you buy uh, is going to be so much higher. In fact, only one in 72 SBA loans go bad. So that, I mean, it's pretty, pretty safe. That's, I didn't, I've never heard that said that. That's Yeah. One in 72. Yeah. And that's, maybe that's not across the board, but the banks that I, the banks that I work with, that's the number. It's one in 70, one in 74, one in 70. That's what you'll hear mm-hmm. you know, from the banks. And, um, you know, so it's a pretty tried and true deal. You know, uh, if you buy a business, pretty safe investment. Building a business, it takes a lot more grit, determination, and fire in the belly. And stupidity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, Trust just, me, I'm, I'm in that category, man. Yeah, just pig-headed, man. Just yeah. going after the goal every day. Yeah. So, Jay, so, yeah, what a, like, with with all the companies that you've sold and also the you know as being a, a broker now what are what are some things that you're in the comment you know we talk a lot about the pitfalls and then buying to sell and or buy, or building to eventually sell or all the like kind of what are your you, you probably got some kind of um you know constant soapbox that you get on that's the stuff that is like repeat stuff that you keep saying what are some of the things that you see well i tell people this where there's no passion there's no profit so if you're gonna if you're gonna run a business, you better be passionate about it. I see people come to me and they're entertaining selling. Again, remember most people are too emotionally attached to their business. They couldn't ever imagine letting it go because this thing's really winning. And to me, it's like sitting in front of a slot machine that hit, and now you just think it's gonna keep on hitting. To me, it's it's ignorant. If you're doing well, it's the time to sell. Uh, if you're not passionate about your business, then I'll see it in the profit and losses. So what I would tell people is run this business as hard as you can. Put your foot on the throttle. Work your ever-loving ass off. Don't quit. Just do whatever it takes to build this thing. And, you know, because what else are we going to do? I mean, we can only fill the day with so much hobbies and video games or whatever bullshit thing you do. I mean, you know, we're here to work. We're here to work. We're here to win. So work as hard as you can on building that business, knowing that you're going to sell it. Have an extra exit strategy in place. Well, exit strategy is a term that's thrown around all the time, but how about, how about this? Let's simplify it. Just know that one day you're going to sell your business and you're going to buy another business. Or you're going to take time off and you're going to re-strategize. You're going to change your life. You know, I went from having 120 employees to having one employee. I can't tell you how much of a lifestyle change that was. I was so tired of having 120 employees. It was beautiful (laughs) to go down to one employee. So it's not all about, you know, the money. It's not all about those kinds of things. A lot of it it is lifestyle. And a 20-year-old and, and, and the heart of a 20 year old is a lot different than the heart of a 50 year old. Mm-hmm. You know, your heart changes, your, your life changes, your needs change, your passions change, your, you know, even, just even where you want to live, the things you want to do, you know, maybe you want to avoid the winters, all sorts of things come into play. Oh, you know, you have a child. Well, now you have a grandchild. Our, our lives are continually changing. So if you, if you think that being in this particular business that you're in is going to stay static, you're wrong. Because your life isn't static. Things are going to change. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I want to put an exclamation point on everything you just said there. Yeah. Because I've been there. Oh, I, I, I've been there. But then also I watched my dad go through it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the emptiness that he had in his eyes when he just like, he got to the point where he's like, if I have to talk about another effing copier one more time, you know what I mean? Like he was so sick of it all. Yes. Like, all of it. And like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I, the, to, to continue on that chat is like, I have interviewed entrepreneurs and I have gotten there where like, you get to the point where like, because entrepreneurs kind of get to do what they want and they take crazy risks to be able to have that kind of freedom that, that when people don't want to do something, it's like, it's all over. And like, that, that's why I, I love how you said that when there's passion, if you don't have the passion, you can see it in the profit and the PL is the moment that people wake up one day and they say, F this, like it feels like a noose and they have to like, and I've so many people I've interviewed that are just like, I have to get out of it. And at that point it's going to, the value is going to be so much, it's so much less. So like, well, let's talk about love and hate real quick because what you, what you just talked about 
is love and hate. You have, let, let me tell your audience this. You have to absolutely love what you do to do well at it. And that's great. So if you're excited about this business you're in and you're excited about the next business you're going to be in, or you just bought this business or you're just building this business, I want you to be roughly 5,000% excited about it. And I want you, <laughs> I want you to love the shit out of what you do. But listen, it's not always going to be that way. If, if it's it, okay, it's no different than the first car you bought. Why are you not waxing that car and driving it around <laughs> town and taking it for a joyride? Things change. Why aren't you with your first girlfriend or your first boyfriend? Things change. But whenever I want you to love this thing to death, but whenever you're ready to sell, I don't want you to hate the business. I don't want you to get that far. I want you to love the business and nurture the business. And I want you to sell when you're doing well, while you still have some passion left in you. Because as soon as hatred starts to come into the equation, like, like you mentioned your dad, mm -hmm. as soon as hatred comes into it, I can guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt that he was ready three years before hatred set in his heart. I would even say seven or eight. I mean, like I was like, I was the like, the window and I wasn't window dressing because I I'd be I was the the passion torch, right? That, that was the one that was in there hoorah and then taking the blows and being okay with it because I was young and energetic and passionate. <laughs> like, right. That that was but otherwise you're right. I mean, there would have been times where he would have just said, just get me out of this. <laughs> well, so well, so this is important for your audience though. You know, the love has to be there, the emotional attachment has to be there until you've lost enough passion for it and you have to sell it when you're doing well. And and you don't don't wait until you're hating it. Now, here's what happens. People contact me and they say, Chad, I want to sell my business or I'm thinking about it. I don't, and, I, and this is a broad, brush, broad yeah. brush statement, but I'm telling you every single time that they call me, I know without a shadow of a doubt, it's a mess. They, were, they were ready two years ago. It's so they, true. I, I, I yeah. talked to a private equity firm. Uh, I had lunch with this guy who's a friend of mine uh, a week or two ago. And he said, the people that call me, it's too late and it's a disaster. The people that you know, the people that are like viable targets to buy, they're the ones out on the golf course kicking out cash. But there's like, where do you think there's so few people that intentionally start working on it three years in advance? Yeah, just like I said, I mean, you know, do a gut check. You know, um, I think what we I think we all do this in every area of our life. Um, I think, you know, if you're getting chubby, you're like, man, I better get in the gym or I better ease off those donuts. Or, you know, if, if things are getting stale with you and your wife or with you and your husband, you know, you got to, you know, do something to spark it up, you know, buy a gift, go out, do dinner, you know, keep that passion alive, whether it be, you know, in the bedroom, same thing. Um, you know, if you're, if you're having a disconnect with your, with your child, you've got to do something with, with, re, you know, uh, sparking that up as well. Um, we all do that, but there's something psychologically different about a business is that we get so gripped with it that we don't know that whenever, whenever things aren't going great, we got to realize that the passion is not there anymore and you, you've got to get it to somebody else that can foster it to a better health. I tell people this, one of the greatest things about the United States is that every four years or eight years, we have the possibility of a new president and that president brings new vigor, new energy, new power. You know, it's, it's a revitalization of the country every four to eight years. And that has been maybe the magic ingredient of the United States staying as powerful as it has for so long. And if you were to, let's just say that George W. Bush was still in office it would be terrible because he's, he would be so sick of it. He wouldn't care. <laughs> and the fact is that a new guy had to come in and you have to, you have to run your business with that same mentality. So I agree with you and, uh, and wholeheartedly, but also I, I, the challenge and especially kind of in the middle to main street, you know, call it the million to what is it? You, you sell a million to, uh, 25, 30 million. Well, companies. I go higher than that. I go higher than that. But the fact is a million to 25 million is most of the market. It's 95% of the market, right? And yeah, so like, yeah. And so the, and here's, herein lies the challenge that I see, Chad, that I, I want the listeners to continue to digest is that, so let's say I'm that person and, and what, and I'll kind of run a scenario by, yeah. And tell me what your thoughts and feedback or advice would be for a person like this. So like, okay, let's say I'm running a five, $10 million company and 
because not only is it, you know, I had the passion, I had the energy, I've got my clients, customers, all this stuff, I'm growing and growing, but then also I'm using the distributions to fund a lifestyle. And then I, all of a sudden I run and you say it's a four multiple, you pay down taxes, you do all this stuff and I freak out because not only am I emotionally trapped in this company that I don't want anymore, but now I'm financially trapped because of the distributions and I haven't decoupled the fact that this is an asset and it's not just an income. How would you, what, what, like, what do you see? Do you see that happen a lot? What do you, what are your, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I've got one right now and thank God he's a smart guy and he understands the psychology of this. He's, he's got other things that he's got his eye on. He's got other dreams and passions and interests and he's going to walk with, um, Oh, I don't know. He'll probably walk with $3 million out of the acquisition and he would like that to be much greater, obviously. But, you know, he, he, he's, he, I'm helping him as a broker to understand that, you know, listen, man, this isn't the end of your life. This isn't the last stop. So let's, let's walk with 2.8 or 3.2 or whatever he ends up walking with. And let's, let's talk about the next chapter. Hey, let's forget about the king too, really is let's not, let's not focus on this thing. Like it's the last stop end all be all. It really is, you know, selling your business is really a springboard. Uh, to advance the next chapter of your life. And I've seen people take quantum leaps. And that's for people get- that are younger though. Like, I mean, like think about like if the average age of these companies, Chad is in their sixties, like you don't have the chance for a quantum leap. And then not only- Oh no, that's not true. I, I, took, I took a guy, a quantum. Okay. There was a guy that, uh, we, this is about a year ago. Okay. He's 74 years old. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sold his business when he was 72. He called me back and said, Chad, I'm bored as hell. Because, you know, this is for your audience. Retirement is man-made bullshit, you all. It doesn't work. And if anybody knows that it doesn't work, it's me. Because I've never retired anybody. A 72-year-old man, he went and got new golf clubs and he got this really, really nice golf cart. It was like a golf cart on steroids. It was really neat. He sent me pictures of it. It had a big radio system and it had lights and all this other stuff. And he went and played. He played his ass off with golf and just, just... played and played and played, hanging out at the country club, you know, happy hour, the whole thing. And he was miserable. And that's kind of, you know, life after life after selling, you know, that's, you can be miserable, but it's not because he sold that business. It's because he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't working. So the the real point that I'm trying to say is that retirement is man-made bullshit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if, if you want to win in life and you want to invest in something, then invest in yourself. You don't need to invest in the stock market to, to make it and have a retirement one day. You know, I invest in Chad Peterson himself. That's who I invest in. And I'm going to work until the day I'm dead. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to retire. Not ever. Now, I might, uh, I might buy some businesses along the way. I might sell them. I might invest in some other things, maybe. But I'm going to work until I can't work anymore. So I took this guy who was 72. I sell his business. He calls it back. He's, he's bored as hell. He's tired of golf. Uh, he wanted to snap his golf clubs in half. He's 74. And I bought him. I, I, I helped him buy a company that was throwing off $750,000 a year in income. And he could work at it about 10 hours, 12 hours a week. That's awesome. And, but, but, but he wants to stay busy 10 or 12 hours a week. He wants something to do. He goes in the office two or three hours a day, basically. And it gives him something to do, something to be passionate about. And um, there's two locations. He, he, so he gets to drive back and forth from Dallas and Fort Worth. So it gives him something to do. We need something to do. If that makes sense. So no, I think you're right. I think I, I would agree with a lot of that, especially on the retirement the point of the, the podcast title, Life After Business. You got to have, got to have a purpose. And I think, you know, the, the, and, and yeah, totally agree with everything you're saying. I think the, the biggest challenge that I see, and I, I think you have, I don't know if one of your books is talking about it, but like when you watch it all come to a head where the, 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 the amount of lost or unharvested values when someone is burnt out, the hatred comes they're financially locked into their business because they've been using the distributions to overfund the lifestyle. They didn't know what the company's cash flow was. They didn't know what it was worth and they're mm-hmm. super trapped. I mean, I don't know. Like it just, it's devastating. Well, if you're, yeah, if you're living out of the company, you're not showing yep. your earnings, you know, you're not paying your taxes. You're not going to get the, you're not going to get the reward that you want whenever you go to sell, but that's easily fixable. You know, we can run it for another year. As long as you're not too burnt out, we can get those numbers up and get you a good value on the exit. What are the, what are the, some of the things that you're seeing in the like 
potential buyers that are out there? You've seen like, you know, with all the different kind of transactions, I mean, what are, what are some of the things that you're seeing in the marketplace right now? Uh, but as far as types of businesses, types of types of businesses, the, the ones that are selling, I mean, you watch and the ages go up and then like in the marketplace, um, you know, I've just watched it. I watched Chad where like you had the, in the, in the, you know, the couple million to 20, $30 million range. I mean, you have the, like, there's only so many buyers, private equity can't come down too far because they don't know how to run companies if they've not, you know, the, as in like, they're mainly, you know, investment managers and financial engineers. Some of them come down and actually understand how to operate. Then you've got the SBA mechanisms for financing of the, of the kind of the companies you're talking about. I just, I start to see a challenge of like of the amount of buyers that can come up and actually take over and start running these companies and the amount of sellers that are going to come to the market. I mean, there's stuff. Well, you seen. can go conventional, you can go conventional with a lot of banks and get around the SBA because SBA doesn't go that high in value. So with a conventional loan, we can come in with 20%. Like I said, there, there's a lot of buyers out there. There's a ton of money out there. Um, I would, to answer your question, I would say that service businesses are not as desirable anymore because of two reasons. Number one, a shortage of labor. But there, but if you look at the unemployment numbers, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I mean, everybody's working, and there's still a, a, a shortage of labor. And the fact is that there's not a lot of people out there that want to work hard anymore. And that goes into a different conversation of the millennials and who really, really, no kidding, wants to work their ass off anymore. The, the pool is dwindling. Okay. The snowflakes, the millennials, they don't want, they don't want to work like the men of world war two generation. It's a different generation of men out there. So that, so the, the service businesses are not bringing in as high of a value, but one thing that has really skyrocketed as far as, uh, you know, businesses in the marketplace that are more desirable and people that are, are after them and people are selling them as uh, manufacturing because Trump, Donald Trump has been pushing us made and it really has turned. And I think the most desirable business to be in now is manufacturing and distribution. And that's what we're seeing a lot of out there. So in that light too, as um, you know, when you talk about quantum leaps, you know, I are you watching or is there people coming to you that are looking to acquire, to bolt on, to build their, the value of their business? I mean, have you seen any interesting up and down the supply chains or in different geographic areas? Or Well, I mean, people people are looking to own a new business. I'm not getting a lot of mergers right now, if that's what you're asking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, they're, looking, they're, they're looking to either nurture one business, buy, you know, go big and buy a big manufacturing or distribution business, or they're looking to add to their existing wheelhouse. So if, if one complements the other, there'll be an acquisition made so, so they can uh, grow, but expand within their own wheelhouse. I'm seeing a lot of that. Uh, but most of the time, I'd say 90% of the time, people are looking to sell their existing business and go to a much larger paying uh, business that's going to give them lifestyle. You want you expand on that? What do you mean by that? What, as far as lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, you know, when the passion starts to wane, it's time to sell. Well, a lot of that, a lot of that is not tied to the dollar figure. You're not mm -hmm. going to lose passion because of what it is or what it isn't paying you. It's more than likely that you're tired of a certain thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're tired of a certain industry. Like you, like you said, your dad, if I have to talk about one more effing copier, you know, there's a lot of that, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, they're, they're tired of that one thing and they want to move on. <laughs> I, have a, uh, I have a friend that was like, he owns a software uh, development company. And he's like, if I grow this thing twice as much, twice as big, the problems are just twice as big and it's the same problems. <laughs> um, not exactly. I, I, agree, I agree with him, but not exactly. Here's the thing. I've, I've, uh, I took a guy, we, we sold two of his businesses. We got him into a business that he paid through the nose for, but he wanted lifestyle. He wanted to travel. He wanted to work from a laptop and a cell phone and he paid way too much for the business, but he didn't care. He wanted it. And the reason he wanted it is because he didn't want to have, he has remote employees. He also uses, um, contract, um, mm -hmm. contract help, then, uh, uh, through, yep. yeah, well, through, um, through some of the, like the Upwork sites mm -hmm. and things like that. And so he kind of outsources his help now and works from the laptop and the cell phone and he couldn't be any happier. And how long will that last? I don't know. You know, he might, he might run it for three years, four years, five years and say, Chad, I'm sick of this. I think I want to go that way and I'll sell his business for him. So people need to be tuned in to your original question. You need to be tuned into that. Are you passionate about what you're doing? Are you excited? Because if you can take that passion and excitement to a new business, it's almost bound to thrive no matter what it is. 
So, uh, which, yeah, well, well said, you know, uh, if you were to go back as we're kind of wrapping up your chat, if you were to go back to yourself and give yourself some advice while you're slinging mortgages, that knowing what you know now, what would, what would be the, the little bit of advice you'd give yourself? Number one, I would have been prepared to sell. Number one. Number two, I would not spend the kind of marketing and overhead dollars to have a larger fire breathing dragon of a corporation that I had. I would rather, I would rather have an army of generals. I'd rather, I'd rather have 10 generals than, than, than 120 soldiers. Uh, so I, I would rather spend the marketing to keep 10 good, solid employees, well-fed and maximize their performance and their potential than I would go for quantity and have 120 employees whereby the 80-20 rule was so prevalent mm -hmm. within my organization. I, I would rather have 10 solid guys that I invested in, maximize their potential, maximize their performance, maximize the company profit while reducing the overhead and um, and creating a better lifestyle for me by shaving a hundred employees off of the, off of the table. And let's just say each employee gave me five headaches. Well, do the math. That's 500 less headaches a month. You know, that's 6,000 less headaches a year. So I would run a tighter ship, fewer employees, higher profit. That's, that's what I would tell myself. Back so if I was to yeah, my younger self. That's, yeah. that's, that's good advice. And how about for someone that is kind of just looking up right now, owns a business, isn't as passionate, but isn't full of hatred and has like a timeline of one to three years, what would, what would be some of the, the takeaways you give them? The takeaways I would give them is uh, show your earnings. You know, it's, it's, it is easy as a, as a self-employed guy to live through the company, you know, cheeseburgers and beer on the credit card and call it operational expense, you know, go to Vegas, have fun, call it operational expense. It's easy to do that, but show your earnings. The reason you want to show your earnings is because whenever you contact a guy like me, if you've shown the numbers, I can get you maximum value and um, know what you're doing. You know, look, look what you did last year know what your business is worth last year. Know what it's worth this year. Keep your pulse on that. Because when you do finally walk in your office and somebody says, so-and-so did X, Y, Z, and we're screwed. You're like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this business. I want to sell it. Then you know exactly what you're looking at. Stay in touch with a competent broker. You know, I'm, I, you know, for your audience here, just so they understand me, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've, I've been ranked top broker in, in the country. And, you know, my reputation is that, you know, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is and not what you want to hear. And there's value in that because not all brokers are created equally. In fact, I don't have a lot of respect for brokers in my industry. Um, and I think that's why I do so well is because I do it just a little bit differently. But you want to get with a competent broker. Somebody will tell you exactly what it's worth, not an inflated number. Because a lot of these brokers are going to tell you what you want to hear because there's no downside of them. It's all upside. When, when they sign you up to sell your business, they have nothing to lose and everything to gain. But if you're not careful, they'll, they'll tell you an inflated number or something that really makes you happy, and it might not ever happen. So I tell people exactly what their business is worth. I don't fluff it up at all. Sometimes people don't use me. They go to another broker because another broker says, well, yeah, I can get you a higher number. Well, guess what? They come back to me after it doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and now they're a year now, now they're veering into that hatred spot. They've lost the passion. They're sick of it. They fall in my lap, and they're like, hurry, hurry, sell this thing. We're done. Well, it doesn't work like that. It's still going to take me six or eight months, and you're still going to have to transition with the new owner for another three months. So you're another year into this, and they're like, oh, God. You so know, you just summed that up pretty well. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I appreciate that. But, no, but that's, that's, that's exactly what happens. Be, know what your business is worth. Stay in contact with a good broker. Keep your pulse on on your passion, know whether or not you're getting tired of it. And the day you are tired of it, know that you're at least a year past your expiration point. Very, very like exclamation point on that. Right. Yeah. For the people that do want to stay in touch with the broker, want to you know get more information from you, what's the best contact information for you? You know, go to petersonacquisitions.com and contact me through there or my cell phone number is 913-207-5895. That's 913-207-5895. Text me, call me. I work nine days a week. I love what I do. <laughs> And call me anytime. I mean, you know, call me at nine o'clock, see if I'll answer. I probably will. I love what I do. 
And the uh-huh. moment, and, and, and for your audience, this, that, that's case in point. The moment that I don't like what I'm going to do, let's just say I lose 5% of passion for what I do. I'm selling the damn thing. That's so true. I mean, you know what? It's just a, a fun, small story about that right before we, uh, we wrap up is I was talking to this gentleman. He goes, he, he, for years, decades, he, and this stuck with me, Chad forever. He's like, you know what? I would like, I was so excited to get to work and get there. And he'd be like, he was on, you know, a total autopilot and he'd always like jump out of his car. And one day he got into the parking lot and he went to get out and he was still buckled in. And he was wow. like, and he goes, I'm done. <laughs> Cause it was like, he never, cause he was so not like in it. That it was just like it was that one specific action that he was just like, holy shit, I'm still buckled in. I'm not jazzed about this. Right. I'm like, that makes that's such a great Yeah, story. if I if if I lose five percent of passion for what I'm doing, I'm looking at selling. And I, I I would tell everybody that, you know, there's no reason there this world, we live in the most we live in times of abundance. And these cell phones are absolute weapons. And the technology that we have, the fact is that I'm talking to you right now in real time, and you've probably got 2,500 listeners, and, and you know I can reach somebody halfway across the world through Facebook. I mean, we're living in times where you don't have to do shit that you don't like, that you don't want to do. <laughs> That's the time I want to live in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, listen, I really appreciate you having me on as a guest. And by the way, your guests can go to petersonacquisitions.com. They can download a free book. It's called Swinging Doors, A Guide to Selling Your Business. You know, if you're not a reader, you know, you, you want to just skim through it, that's fine too. It's only, whatever it is, 80 pages, but it's it's really meat and potatoes of, of uh, selling your business. And if you want, uh, you can contact me and I can tell you what your business is worth. I don't charge for that either. So you can get a free book and you can also... Um, receive the value of your business for free as well. And I'm here for your audience anytime they want to talk about selling. And I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for coming on, Chad. Thank you. So if there's one enormous takeaway that I hope you got out of that is that even though you're having fun and you're enjoying your business and you're making a bunch of money, thinking about your business in terms of how a buyer would look at it and what an exit would be, regardless if whether you're five or 10 years out, it doesn't matter. You'll then have a different shift in mindset to focus on value creation. You'll be able to then build a more healthy business that has more transferable cash flow that will make your company worth more money, more enjoyable to use, and therefore gives you more options and will help you avoid situations like Chad went through in the mortgage crisis. So in order to do that, Learning about what matters, regardless of your timeline, is so crucial. That's why we created our boot camps, and you're you're probably hearing me just hammer this home. It's two days, so that way you can learn how the whole game works, valuations, exits, ways to maximize your multiple, create healthier cash flow that gives you options and freedom, because that's what the whole point of risking everything to start a business is all about. So take the two days, take the five grand, let us know if you got any questions, you want to go over the agenda, reach out to me, happy to answer any questions. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you next week.